remember that it's not just up to me. It is up to you what you're going to get and receive in this place. Amen? Okay. Glory to God. I'm excited for this word. I was telling some people I've actually got in just this one section, 15 pages of notes. Hallelujah. How many believe I can get 15 pages of notes out in 30 minutes or less? I couldn't even read 15 pages of notes in 30 minutes or less. Praise the Lord. Go with me in your Bibles this morning to Hebrews chapter 5. And as you're turning there, let me remind you about what we've been teaching in here for the past several months. We've been on a journey through the Word of God, talking about what manner of Jesus was when He walked the earth. We've seen that Jesus was a man of prayer. We've seen that Jesus was someone who always walked in and demonstrated the love of God. We've seen that Jesus operated in divine authority while he was here on the earth. He spoke to the wind and the waves and they obeyed him. He spoke to a fig tree and it dried up from the roots. He spoke to demons and they fled. He spoke to sickness and disease and it left. Hallelujah. And we saw that Jesus was also faithful. He was always faithful to do what his father asked of him. And that's just so important for us to learn to follow after. Amen. And then lately we've been talking about how Jesus was a man who demonstrated to us how we're supposed to handle and deal with suffering. Is it wrong for us as Christians to suffer? No. There's no getting around it in this sin-filled, fallen world. All of us eventually are going to face things that cause suffering in our lives. It's just how we respond when those sufferings come is the key to all of this. Hebrews chapter 5, in verse 8, the Bible says this. Though he was a son, again, this is speaking of Jesus, yet he learned obedience by the things which he suffered. And having been perfected, how? Through those sufferings, he became the author of eternal salvation to all who obey him. Then in 1 Peter chapter 2, beginning in verse 19 from the NIV, it says this. For it is commendable if a man bears up under the pain of unjust suffering because he's conscious of God. How, How is it to your credit if you receive a beating for doing wrong and endure it? But if you suffer for doing good and you endure it, this is commendable for God. So based upon those verses, should we expect to face sufferings in this life? I mean, it doesn't matter whether you're living for God or you're not living for God. You're going to face suffering. But the bottom line is this, as we've already seen and we're going to see in just a moment here. It's a whole lot better to follow Jesus' example when we go through these sufferings than trying to make it through them in our own strength and abilities. Amen. Verse 21 says, to this you were called. To this you were called. Because Christ suffered for you. Leaving you an example that you should follow in his steps. Are we supposed to follow Jesus' example and follow in his steps as to how he handles suffering? He, now notice verse 22. He committed no sin. No deceit was found in his mouth. In other words, Jesus was completely innocent. He didn't deserve anything that he faced and went through. But did Jesus go through it? Again, it speaks to the kind of world that we're living in. Are you hearing me? It's important to understand that even though Jesus didn't deserve it, 
And there's going to be a lot of times you don't deserve it, but you're still going to face it. And you're still going to go through it. Now, how are you going to respond to it? Verse 23, when they hurled their insults at him, he did not retaliate. When he suffered, he made no threats. Notice, instead, he entrusted himself to him who judges justly. That's so important. That's such a huge key here. So what's the key to making you through the challenges we'll face in this life? What's the key to following in the steps of Jesus when confronted with the sufferings this life will throw at us? What is the key? Entrust yourself to him who judges justly. Everybody say, I'm going to entrust myself to him who judges justly. Amen. Praise God, Lord. In other words, we need to learn to commit it all to our heavenly father. Knowing that when we do so, he's got our back. And he's going to go fight the battle for us. How many believe that God is able to come out on top when he's fighting our battles? In fact, do you think he even has a, breaks a sweat at all? Do you think he has a struggle at all when he's fighting our battles? Oh, no. The Bible says he sits in the heavens and he laughs. I said he sits in the heaven and he laughs. What's he laughing at? The stupid devil. Because the devil thinks he's going to win. The devil thinks he's going to overcome. No. I've got news for you. No. The devil does not win. We win. So when you're faced with these tests and trials and challenges, when suffering comes to your life, follow in the footsteps of Jesus. Entrust it all to your heavenly father, knowing that he's got your back, that he's the one who judges justly. Amen. Glory to God. And it's not always easy, though, is it? Especially when things come against you that aren't fair. People are talking bad about you, and you haven't done anything. What are you talking bad about me for? What did I ever do to you? What did you think you do? I remember Brother Hagin used to talk about how people would speak evil about him and how he would respond. You know what he would do? Nothing. When people spoke evil about him, he did nothing. He didn't retaliate. I mean, Brother Hagin has had books written about him. Books. Talking about how wrong he is in his preaching and teaching, you know, his, what he preaches and teaches. Books have been written about I haven't had a book written about me. But I don't care if it is. I'll trust God for grace on that matter. <laughs> But it's the truth to get to that place where you just cast it off of you. You know, it's just like what I was when I was shared what Brooke did the other day. When she, she just said that said to me, that it doesn't matter what they say, because I know it's not true. And the truth will always come to the light. Whoa, that's that's powerful. I said, that's powerful. That's revelation. That's walking in the, the footsteps of Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. And you know what's so cool about it? Not only will God enable us to come out victoriously, you know what's going to happen? We're going to grow up and mature in the things of God. We're going to literally become more like Jesus, which should be the ultimate goal of every single one of us. Now, last week, we began to look at some scriptures that demonstrated to us how the early church handled sufferings that they faced. And we saw how when Peter and John were arrested and beaten, for preaching in the name of Jesus, they left from there. Now notice this, rejoicing. 
rejoicing that God had counted them worthy to suffer disgrace for the name of Jesus. Can you imagine that? I mean, they're probably tied up and they're getting whooped. With, I mean, we're not talking with a belt here. They're probably getting beaten with, uh, I don't know if it was a flagrum or not, but the bottom line is they're getting beaten for just preaching and teaching in the name of Jesus. And can you imagine them saying, whoo, whoo, glory to God. Oh, glory, that was a good one. Oh, praise you, Jesus. Wow, hallelujah. Every time they're getting beat, they're smiling, they're rejoicing to be able to be going through that because of Jesus. That amazes me. That's talk, talking about losing yourself. Talk about losing yourself. Not even concerned about what anybody's doing to you. Whether with words or even physically. Doesn't matter. Didn't care. Because this is all because of Jesus. So I'm going to rejoice. Oh, are you there yet? <laughs> That's a process, isn't it? But you know what? If the early church people can do it, we're a part of the same church. God's grace is there for us, just like God's grace was there for them. And we're going to get into that and a whole lot more, hopefully a little bit today. Praise God. But I want you to go with me to Acts chapter 9. We're going to get into something today. And I want you to pay careful attention to these things. Because I want to start talking about the Apostle Paul. And how he handled what he went through. How many know that the Apostle Paul through, went through quite a bit? In fact, I would dare to say that he probably went through more than anybody else, as far as Christians are concerned, than Jesus himself. Acts chapter 9, beginning in verse 10. This is talking about the conversion of Saul. Now, there was a certain disciple at, at Damascus named Ananias. And to him, the Lord said in a vision, Ananias. And he said, here I am, Lord. Isn't that amazing? He knew it was the Lord. How do you think Ananias knew it was the Lord? Because he had been spending some quality time with him. He knew the voice of the Lord. Amen? Just a little side trail there. You want to know the voice of the Lord? Spend some time with him. All right. Praise the Lord. Verse 11. So the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight. Choir at the house of Judas for one called Soul of Tarsus. For behold, he is praying. And in a vision... He has seen a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man. How much harm he has done to your saints in Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go, for he is a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before Gentiles, kings, and the children of Israel. Now notice Verse 16, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. Now, why do you think the Lord showed Paul the many things he was going to suffer? Because he was fixing to go through something that was so intense. So beyond the pale, so beyond anything else anybody else had ever gone through. How many know when the Lord shows you something like that? You know, a lot of times people want to hear the voice of the Lord. You know that many times when people hear the voice of the Lord, it's because they're fixing to go through some serious times, some serious challenges. You listen to what I'm saying, how I'm saying that. 
So I believe the Lord was letting Paul know, you're fixing to go through some major sufferings here, buddy, for my name's sake. So that when he was going through those, he said, I already knew about this. I already knew about this. Amen. Praise the Lord. So what are the sufferings Paul experienced? Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, beginning in verse uh, 4. And I'm going to read these from the New Living Translation. I believe that's what I have up there. If everything we do, in everything we do, we show that we are true ministers of God. We patiently endure troubles and hardships and calamities of every kind. We have been beaten, been put in prison, faced angry mobs, worked to exhaustion, endured sleepless nights, And gone without food. Probably nobody in here could say that those are the kind of things you've gone through. Verse 6. We prove ourselves by our purity, our understanding, our patience, our kindness, by the Holy Spirit within us, and by our sincere love. We faithfully preach the truth. God's power is working in us. We use the weapons of righteousness in the right hand for attack. And the left hand for defense. We serve God whether people honor us or despise us. Whether they slander us or praise us. We are honest, but they call us imposters. We are ignored even though we are well known. We live close to death, but we are still alive. We have been beaten, but we have not been killed. Now go to 2 Corinthians 11, verse 23. You want to hear what Paul went through? Read these scriptures. Verse 23, and again I'm going to read it from the New Living Translation. Are they servants of Christ? I know I sound like a madman, but I have served him far more. I have worked harder. Been put in prison more, prison more often. Been whipped times without number. And faced death again and again. Now he's going to get a little more specific. Five different times the Jewish leaders gave me 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned and many theologians believe that was unto death. Three times I was shipwrecked. Once I spent a whole night and day adrift at sea. I have traveled on many long journeys. I have faced danger from rivers and from robbers. I have faced danger from my own people, the Jews, as well as from the Gentiles. I have faced danger in the cities, in the deserts, and on the seas. And I have faced danger from men who claim to be believers but are not. I have worked hard and long, enduring many sleepless nights. I have been hungry and thirsty and have often gone without food. I have shivered in the cold without enough clothing to keep me warm. Then besides all this, I have the daily burden of my concern for all the churches. Who is weak without my feeling that weakness? Who is led astray and I do not burn with anger? If I must boast, I would rather boast about the things that show how weak I am. God, the Father of our Lord Jesus who is worthy of eternal praise, knows I am not lying. Did Paul go through a lot of suffering because of his love for Jesus? Was Paul greatly persecuted for preaching and teaching 
the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Again, probably to a greater degree than any man or woman has ever experienced besides Jesus. How many of you have ever seen the passion of the Christ? You remember the beating that Jesus took? The 39 stripes across his back? According to Paul, he too received 40 stripes minus one. But not once. Five times. Five times. And do you remember the whip that they used during that beating? It's called a flagrum. It's a, a Roman whip that has at least three cords, sometimes up to five, six, seven cords at the end of it. And it, at the end of those cords are pieces of glass, pieces of bone, or pieces of metal attached to them. That means, listen to this, if the whip had a minimum of just three cords on it, each time Paul went through that beating, it was as if he was receiving 117 lashes across his body. But remember, this happened five different times. Now get this, which means Paul received well over 500 lashes. 500 lashes across his body. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine that? I can't even, I can't even begin to imagine that. When I saw what Jesus went through, how that grieved my heart, how that hurt me. Oh, that had it happened five times. And, and plus the Bible tells us he was beaten with rods three times. To get a better understanding of this, in the ancient world, listen, a beating with rods was a horrible form of torture. They would literally take the man's feet, tie them up, and bring his feet up. And then they would take this rod, which was usually made of metal, and beat it across the feet. Across the person's feet. And a lot of the times, whoever was beaten with rods like that never walked again. You think the devil was trying to keep Paul from ever preaching the gospel again? My, my, my. On another occasion, Paul was stoned and left for dead. This is actually recorded in the book of Acts, in, uh, Acts 14, while he was in the region of Galatia. And, and, and again, many believe that Paul actually died when that stoning occurred. Have you ever thought about what it looks like for a person to be stoned to death? Have you ever been hit with a rock or a stone before? I have. When I was younger, I was at my grandparents' house. My grandparents, there were some neighbors across the street that were kind of rambunctious. I'll say it that way. They were older, a lot older. I was just a little fella. But I still had some little streak in me. You know what I'm talking about? I was messing with them. And one of those older teenagers threw a rock. And it literally hit me in the back of the ear and busted my ear where I had to go get stitches. First of all, my, my dad was not a happy camper that I was messing with them. But he also wasn't a happy camper that they had thrown a rock at me. But can you imagine, listen to this. Being stoned to death. It wasn't just one of these people who threw rocks at him. It was a group of people who threw rocks at him. And we're going to get more into that in just a moment. But I want you to envision these things that Paul went through. 
that Paul suffered. Not for anything he was doing wrong, but for standing up for Jesus Christ and preaching the gospel message. Listen, for walking in love. That's amazing to me. That's amazing to me. Plus, Paul was involved in three shipwrecks. With one of those times being left in the deep for a night and a day. Have you ever been out so deep in the water? The only thing I can think of for myself is I've been tubing before. I'm not much of a skier behind a boat. I'm not very good at that. But tubing is easy. You just lay on a tube and let it pull you. And, but I've been out, you know, and you've got your life vest on. But, you know, when you get knocked off of the tube and the boat keeps on going and you're just out there kind of floating. Have you ever just, uh, has anybody had that happen before? And you're kind of, your feet are kind of dangling. You're just, all of a sudden the thoughts start to come. I wonder what's below me. <laughs> Imagine doing that for a whole day and night. Day and night. Floating out there. You know, the thing it doesn't bring out, and I know that, you know, the Bible does tell about one of his shipwrecks. But it doesn't talk about how, if there were people who died. I mean, in the one occasion, they were all saved. But in these occasions, it doesn't say if some of the people that were on the shipwreck passed away. What am I saying there? In other words, there'd be dead bodies floating around you. And what's going to happen when there's dead bodies floating around you? There's going to be some fish coming up. Hopefully not sharks. I don't think they have sharks in lakes, but I don't know if they had access to something like that. But the bottom line is this. You still would be in a position that you probably wouldn't like to be in. But Paul went through it. And he did it all for us. He did it all for us. His love for Jesus Christ. Amen. Glory to God. So having gone through all that Paul went through, how did Paul react? Did he complain and grumble? God, this isn't fair. All I'm doing is trying to serve you, to live for you, to preach your gospel. And look at what these people are doing to me. It's not fair. I shouldn't have to go through this. I shouldn't have to face these tests and trials. I'm not doing anything wrong. Is that what Paul did? Did Paul complain and grumble? Well, I want to go to 2 Corinthians chapter 12 now. What was Paul's reaction to all of the things we just read? 2 Corinthians 12 verse 7. And lest I, speaking of Paul, should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelation, a thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Concerning this thing, I pleaded, pleaded with the Lord three times that it might depart from me. And he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. Notice, therefore, most gladly, I will rather boast in my infirmities. That word infirmities is not referring to sicknesses. The, those, that infirmity means challenges or, or, or hard situations to be hard pressed. To face those kinds of things that people normally don't face. As we just read about in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. That the power of Christ may rest upon me. Therefore I take pleasure in infirmities, in reproaches, in needs, in persecutions, in distresses for Christ's sake. For when I am weak, then I am strong. 
So this set of scriptures is what is known as Paul's thorn in the flesh. And many equate it to the fact that the Apostle Paul was dealing with some kind of sickness or disease. And he went to the Lord three times for him to remove it. Remove this sickness from me. But he was told three times, no, I am not going to heal you. Instead, I'll give you my grace to enable you to live the rest of your life with this sickness so that you can handle it. That's what religion talks, tells us. I'm telling you, you go to a whole bunch of churches today. That's what they'll tell you right there. But is that what happened here? Did Paul go to God to have him remove sickness from him and God told him no? So many in the church believe that's true. Based off of these scriptures, but is that what these verses say? Now we just read the list of all the things that Paul went through in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, didn't we? We went through them all. From the beatings, to the rods, to the stonings, to the shipwrecks, and so forth. But I want you to notice one thing that was conspicuously absent in this rather extensive list. Nowhere is it mentioned that the Apostle Paul had to deal with sickness and disease. Do you see that in those scriptures? Did we read that in those scriptures? Don't you think it had been something that had caused him as much trouble as so many people want us to believe that it would have been mentioned right there? But he didn't. It wasn't. There is no mention of sickness or disease in any of those verses. Well, stop and think about it. I want you to pay attention to this. Why would God tell him that he couldn't have what Jesus, his son, had already paid for? That Jesus paid the price for him to have. I know that Jesus was beaten. And I know that Jesus was nailed to the cross. And I know that he died there for you. And I know that your salvation not only includes the fact that you now become my very own child. And go from death unto life. And heaven is now your home. But it also includes healing for sickness. And freedom for bondage. And prosperity for, for lack and poverty. I know that. But I'm not going to let you experience it today, Paul. Because I want you to go through your life of sickness and disease to keep you humble. To keep you humble. Does that even sound like the God that we serve? Does that sound like the God that you know? Would a father in the natural do that to his very child, to his child? If he had the ability to, to heal his child, but I'm going to keep it away from you. I'm not going to heal you because I want you to remain humble. Does that even make any sense? Or does that kind of sound like a religious idea? People coming up with things that they think the word says, but they really don't dive into the word to really find out what it means. And that's what we're going to do here. And we're going to begin to do here. We're going to talk about Paul's thorn in the flesh. And I believe when you see how Paul eventually responds to all of this, it also gives us a major key 
to how we overcome sufferings in our lives. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Dear Jesus, I'm trying to see where I want to stop here. I'm going to keep going here for just a minute. Is that everybody all right? Look at verse, uh, 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 verse 7 there in 2 Corinthians chapter 12 again. I want to look at what I firmly believe that these scriptures actually say. Verse, it says, unless I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations. How many believe that Paul received phenomenal insights into the word of God? I mean, was he not, uh, 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 was he not, uh, what's the word? did he not receive incredible revelations by the Holy Spirit? I mean, I mean, basically he wrote the majority of the New Testament. He became one of the apostles, the foundational apostles of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Think about it. He wrote Romans. He wrote 1st and 2nd Corinthians, he wrote Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, 1st and 2nd Thessalonians, 1st and 2nd Timothy, Titus, Philemon, and most people believe he wrote Hebrews. Are you telling me that he didn't get great revelations? He got incredible revelations by the Spirit of God that was written down for our benefit. Glory to God. And notice what happened. A thorn in the flesh was given to me, a messenger of who? A messenger of who? Now, this is so, so, so important. And you've got to get this settled in your hearts and minds. This messenger was not from God. This messenger was from Satan. It's laid out there. And it was sent to do what? To buffet me. The Apostle Paul speaking. That messenger of Satan was sent to buffet me. To buffet. Now get this. It means to hit with repeated blows. Let me ask you. Did Paul get hit with repeated blows? Oh my goodness. Over and over and over and over again. As we saw in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. Isn't that true? The devil was doing whatever he could to keep Paul from preaching and teaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ and bringing forth the revelations he had received from the Lord. I mean, stop and think about it. Do you think the devil wants us to find out that once we confess Jesus as our Lord and Savior, that we are born again? And we go from a state of death into life. And we go from being separated from God to becoming his very own children. Do you think the devil wants you to know about that? Do you think the devil wants to find out that the very moment we confess Jesus Christ as our Lord, we become new creations in Christ Jesus? The old has passed away, behold the new. Do you think the devil wants you to know about that? Do you think he wants us to find out the very moment we get born again, we become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus? Do you think the devil wants you to know about that? Do you think he wants us to find out that we were crucified with Christ, that we died with Christ, that we were buried with Christ, that we were raised up and made alive with Christ? Christ and that we have been made to sit in the heavenly places with Christ do you think the devil wants us to know about that do you think that he wants us to know any of those glorious truths plus many many other biblical truths that God revealed to the apostle Paul so what did the devil do 
he assigned one of his biggest and baddest devils to follow Paul wherever he went to stir up as much trouble as he possibly could. And why? To keep him from getting those revelations out. And as we've seen in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he, and, and also you can see it in the book of Acts, this demonic influence, this demon did a pretty good job of buffeting him. Because every, everywhere Paul went, he had revival and he had riots. He performed miracles, but he also was jailed. He, he healed the sick, but he was also mercilessly beaten. He preached the word with boldness, but he was also stoned and left for dead. And all because this messenger of Satan was sent to buffet him. And lest I should be exalted above measure by the abundance of the revelations, for in the flesh was given to me a messenger of Satan to buffet me, lest I be exalted above measure. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Praise the Lord. Now, for many people, when they read that statement, lest I shall be exalted above measure. Both at the start of that verse and the end of that verse, they have thought, that this is referring to the Apostle Paul being lifted up in pride. I'm telling you, it is out there everywhere. In fact, a whole bunch of the modern translations actually translate it that way. Does that make it true? We're going to see this in just a second. In other words... They believe this could easily read, lest I be, speaking of Paul, lest I be lifted up in pride. But if you are truly to study this out, as we're in the process of doing, and look at the actual Greek meanings of these words used in this verse and throughout this passage, you would see that's not what this means. Stop and think about it. Lest I should be exalted above measure, if it means, actually means, lest I be lifted up and prided, as so many believe, then why in the world would Satan have dispatched a messenger to go and buffet Paul to keep him from entering into pride? Wouldn't Satan want him to enter into pride? Isn't that what caused Satan to fall? One of the things that caused Satan to fall? I mean, doesn't, I mean, he knows what the Bible says. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. That was one of the things that got the devil tossed out of heaven. So for us to assume that lest I should be exalted above measure means lest I be lifted up in pride doesn't really make any sense because Satan would have wanted Paul to enter into pride. Isn't that true? That would have opened the door to destruction in Paul's life. Do you see that? So obviously when people hear this phrase, lest I be exalted above measure, it tends to cause them to believe this is referring to something in a negative or a bad way. Well, what I want to do is call out a few words to you today. I'm going to call a few words out to you, okay? And I want you to tell me whether these words are negative or positive when you first hear them. Covet, 
negative? Okay, thank you. Thank you for hate, jealousy, anger, sorrow. So for each one of them, you agree they invoke a negative response. But did you realize that each one of those words also has a positive side to it? The Bible tells us we're to covet the gifts of the Spirit. The Bible tells us we are to abhor or hate evil. The Bible tells us that our God is a jealous God. And that the Apostle Paul was jealous over his followers with a godly jealousy. The Bible tells us that Jesus got angry with a righteous indignation and drove out the money changers from his father's house. And the Bible tells us that godly sorrow leads to repentance. So when we first hear these words, most people's initial reaction is, is one that is negative. Why? Because for the most part, when we hear them, we immediately think of these things from the vantage point of someone yielding to their flesh. Are you hearing me? And taken from that vantage point, each of those words, from coveting to hate to jealousy to anger, is a negative and sinful thing. But only if it involves yielding to the flesh. Did you hear that? But as we just saw, there's also a godly side to these issues. Now, I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to stop right there. I'm going to come back. And we're going to continue to dissect these scriptures. We're going to find out what Paul's thorn actually was, how God actually responded to Paul, and then how Paul actually responded to what God told him. And you're going to find another major key that's going to help each of us overcome the challenges that we'll face in this life, the sufferings that will come against us as Christians. We're going to find another major key here. Amen. And I believe it's going to be a tremendous blessing to everybody in this place. You know, I, I, I think it's, I believe that many times if we're not on guard, things that we have heard down through the years, I mean, probably everybody in here has gone to another church at one time or another. And probably most of you have heard something along, uh, talking about Paul's thorn before. And a lot of times, most people have heard it from a negative perspective, that that, that this messenger of Satan was sent to buffet Paul to keep him from being lifted up in pride. But I just can't, it just doesn't, it never made sense to me why the devil would do that. Plus, think about it. What they're literally saying is that God was using the devil to help God do what he needed done. Friends, I'm going to tell you something. If God and the devil are on the same team, we done. We don't have a chance, but that is not the case. Light and darkness never mix. Love and hate never mix. Our God, our good, loving, merciful God and the devil are not on the same team. We are a part of God's team. And what I want us to get a hold of and grip and grasp from these scriptures as we continue to read about them and find out about them. I mean, we could all agree that what Paul went through was horrendous, wasn't it? We can all agree that that was probably some tremendous suffering that probably nobody in here wants to face. But I'm going to tell you a little secret here. I've got some statistics for you. I've been reading this other book. And in this book, it's talking about persecutions that are happening all over the world right now. And I'm going to read you some statistics. Things that are happening today. 
persecution is coming against Christians just because they're living for Jesus Christ. I think it's going to take you as much aback as it did me when I was reading this. I don't think, we don't, we don't, we can't comprehend it. Because we live in a, in a country right now where we have the freedom to preach and teach the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. There's a whole lot of things happening. There's a whole lot of things happening. Trying to twist it. We don't do our part and keep praying and keep taking our stand for Jesus. What's going to happen is things going to start happening in this country that are just as bad as those things happening in other countries. And it's, it's, it's not just in, the, in the, the Middle Eastern countries. It's happening in countries like the UK. It's happening in Canada, right above us. It's happening in Australia. It's happening in countries that you wouldn't re- really see it happening in, but it's happening. What are we going to do? I say we rejoice. I say we rejoice. I say we rejoice. Because glory to God, we've been counted worthy to suffer for Jesus. Amen. Glory to God. Father, I thank you for this word today. I am believing you for the the anointing to be able to get this out to these people so they can see what the word really says. Not people's opinions or theories, not the traditions of man, but what your word really says as the spirit of God moved upon men to write it down. I am believing for greater revelation in this place than ever before in Jesus' name. And I believe that I have a bunch of hungry people that are going to pull on the anointing and receive these truths as coming from you. And they're going to hear it, receive it, and act upon it and be blessed because of it. Hallelujah. We thank you for it, Lord. Now, with your eyes closed and nobody looking around, just real quickly, I know we're Christians in here. If there's anybody in this room today.